Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Yes, hello everybody. Matt Walsh here with another big episode for you today. A big name makes his return to the squad and we'll do a bit of a deep dive on the world of footy injuries. But first, we're very proud to say that this podcast is brought to you by the iconic Subway Footlong Sub. Subway, eat fresh. Jake Michaels, welcome to the pod for another week. Do you have a favourite Subway sub or are you a cookies man? Uh, I'm a cookies man, but I I don't mind the uh, the turkey the turkey ham Swiss cheese. I don't know what you call it, but I think yeah, you that's your own really. That you? Is, well, yeah, you do. That used to be my go-to. That was my uh, that was my Friday night meal as I head into the footy. But I, think, I haven't had Subway in a while. Maybe maybe we're going to get back on Subway. Uni, I think they had one at Uni at Latrobe. They did have one at Uni, and I, yeah. I'd get it on a Friday afternoon the uh, the six inch. I think it was meatball with all the salad trimmings, and then sweet onion sauce, which I think was a bit of an odd combination according to some. But I think you I think you needed the I think you need the foot long. The six inch just doesn't quite get the job done in a ring. No, I think the six, there was one of those those five dollar deals or whatever they had for the six inch. Oh, poor uni trust, trust you to go there. <laughs> the poor, poor uni student. I had to I had to count my coins. Unfortunately, uh, Christian Jolly, welcome along to the podcast for another week. Are you a, are you a Subway fan? Have you got a, a special that you go to every time? Yeah, no. Well, I do enjoy my Subway, but one of my ones is probably an underrated one. They're cheese and garlic toasties. They were quite cheap. They're about a three dollar three dollar sort of top up for lunch. So oh, it's not it's not a full meal, but it's. Uh, <laughs> I always give them a go. So yeah, love those. Very good. And a very special guest again. Welcome back, Josh Dunkley. Hopefully uh, back on the park before the end of the year. And it's unfortunate that we have you on the podcast in these sort of circumstances, but welcome back. Uh, maybe you'll have a chance to jump in, to pop into Subway uh, every now and then while yeah. you're on the, on the path to recovery. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, lads. It's um, obviously been a rough couple of weeks, but uh, it's good to be here. And yeah, Subway, I mean, I was actually just thinking about it when I was young. Um, playing Kipsland Power, we used to go to Subway on the way home all the time. So it was a great, great little um, shop that we used to go to. I used to get the chicken fillet, lettuce, yes. tomato and carrot and sweet onion sauce. And that was it. Uh, you can't have carrot. Carrot, carrot on a sandwich is Carrot's rubbish. good for your skin, mate. It's good for the skin. <laughs> it's good for everything. Good for your eyesight. Good for this, good for that. Oh, very good. <laughs> hey, before we jump into another big episode, because we've got a lot planned, uh, Josh, with you on us, with you on the podcast again this week. Uh, something from the weekend that grabbed your attention we might otherwise miss, Jake. Well, if you tuned in last week, we were talking, Christian was uh, running us through the players who kick the ball out on the full more often um, more often than not. And one of the names which popped up was Carlton's Jacob Weedering. He, he was only, I think he was at 11 career out on the fools, which obviously doesn't sound like much, but everyone else around him um, has played far more games than Weedering. And, and after we spoke about it last week, I noticed he had two out on the fools against, um, against the dogs this week. So just, uh, just a strange one there that I, that I, that I noticed. Um, and he actually probably should have had a third one where he should have been pinged for deliberate that they didn't actually pay. So could have been three, Three in the in the one game straight after we spoke about it, I just thought that was uh, that was a bit strange. Well, there was another one in, in well, there was a deliberate out of bounds in that game that also drew my eye, which was the Bontempelli one where he tried to kick it to space, and I can't remember who the the dogs player who was trying to run to that space, but they tripped over and the ball trickled yeah. out of bounds. And the ball the ball was the ball probably bounced about twenty five meters in play and yeah, just angled just kept rolling towards the boundary, and, and he got pink. You could just tell by his reaction; it was like <laughs> you've got to be joking. And then there was the Cam Zerha one in the North game, which um, yeah. uh, which was bizarre because he just missed kicks the footy and then gets pinged for like, insufficient intent for in, insufficient uh, intent for keeping the ball in, which was just ridiculous. Say that three times. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd rather not. Uh, <laughs> Christian, have you got something uh, that uh, grabs your attention? Uh, mine is probably yeah, 
probably a common one that a lot of people notice, but yeah, putting back guys back into the position they're supposed to play. So Darcy Moore going back down uh, into defence. Uh, took 19 marks, which is the most of anyone in the game this season, which eight of those were intercept marks. Um, but again, just just putting a guy who, yeah, probably, you know, all Australian defender for the first three or four weeks, went forward, didn't work, um, put him back in his natural position and he dominated. So, yeah, got to keep guys in their, in their proper positions. Tell, tell Chris Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about Darcy Moore a couple of times and about how, He's just—it's it, just more valuable down back to Collingwood, especially at this time, at this stage of well, where they, where they're at. Um, we know the issues that they have up forward, and they're not going to just plug that hole and then leave another hole at the other end. So, I'm a big fan of Darcy Moore down back, and and he's an all Australian caliber backman, and I don't think he's an all Australian caliber forward. So, I mean, make of that what you will. Uh, Josh, uh, did you watch much footy on the weekend? I know I think you were at the game on uh, Sunday. That uh, yeah, I think you're in Sunday, the stands. Yeah. Uh, anything from the weekend catch your eye? Um, I was going to say the deliberate out of bounds as well because I saw the Bont one firsthand. But I think another one too is that big key forwards are back, like the Jeremy Cameron on Friday night. I think it was um, Brucey for us on Sunday and Harry Mackay. Like these these types of players, these big blokes are starting to kick a few goals, and it's great to see. Yeah, a few more bags of five plus this week um, around the grounds, and I know that there was a couple of weeks where. Uh, well, everyone sort of said that the return of the key forward was back, and then there were a couple of quieter weeks, and now it seems to be back on the uptrend. So, just um, on just on Jeremy Cameron, though, I mean, it was sort of expected when he would come in, and we we missed it for the first five or six weeks until he played. But how scary does that Geelong forward line look now when you've got um, Cameron and Hawkins, and then all of a sudden Rowan's getting the the third or the fourth best defender picking him up? They're they're a really scared scary forward line the uh, the the Cats at the moment. Yeah, and and you look at. Hawkins track record as a an assist player as well uh, and the way that he can play as a as a second ruck in the forward yeah well he does just... the ruck work he does has all the assists and then you can easily just kick five on any given day so mm. yeah they're and um they're, you're right pretty... with Rowan being a big beneficiary as well because he's always his good games are always when Dangerfield was going forward and kicking a couple and Hawkins was dominating so you got two defenders you know focused on Hawkins and Dangerfield and Rowan will always have his good games now the two best defenders are always going to go to Hawkins and Cameron and, yeah, expect Gary Rowan to have a few more of those nights mm. or games in him this season. Fair enough. Hey, I was going to bring this up last week, and I'm glad I didn't because it, it actually happened this week. But kick to kicks back. This is something I noticed because I was at the ground um, perched high above the goals on, on level three on Sunday for that Dogs-Carlton game. And they announced that kick to kick would be back. And I thought, this is fantastic. I'd, I would have brought my footy if I'd known because I love a kick to kick after, after the, the game on the ground. And, <laughs> Um, but then they announced that it would be certain bays only. They'd restricted the number of people. Well, not the number of people. The let, me bays... guess. We, let me guess. Your bay wasn't allowed? Oh, no. None of the bays on level three were allowed. But there was this. I noticed that this poor dog supporter and his son tried to get on from the AFL members' side, which was not part of the bays that were allowed onto the ground. And a big burly security guard comes over and, and stonewalls them and says, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, it, like. Obviously, they could probably walk around and then just get on another way. So what's the problem with letting them on at that particular gate if you've got security there? I just couldn't understand it. And um, if kick to kick's back, just make it back for everyone. It should, doesn't need to be restricted at this point. For goodness well, I'm not sure if that's uh, like a, a new protocol for um, sort it out, the, the virus or if that's something they've been doing. I, I've, I've not heard of that before, but surely no. it's either everyone or no one. 
Well, and like I said, they could easily walk around sort of 10 bays and get on. Like, just let them on, for goodness no. sake. The poor little kid looked shattered. Wasn't the old uh, behavioural awareness officers, was it? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they've made a comeback, fortunately, uh, this season. What a bizarre... I think they were at the <laughs> tennis at one point. <laughs> <laughs> they were, after the Nadal and that, that woman in the crowd that kept yeah. heckling her. <laughs> All right, before we get too distracted, uh, we do have a big episode planned today. Um, Josh, thanks for joining us again. And I know that, you know, the obviously the injuries. Uh, sort of a, a sour mark on your year with, you know, the, the obviously having to come back maybe towards the end of the year. I think at, at this mm. point, you said I said that you were hoping you were still going to be able to get back, but it must be disappointing to be spending a decent chunk of the, of the year on the sidelines after the start the team's had. Yeah, it is. It's very disappointing. Like um, thinking back to that GWS game, like it was a really good night for us. We battled hard all game and um, came over the line at the end of the, in that last quarter. And then to go down with the injury and then realize that, pretty much straight away. They told me after the first time I dislocated it, that it was probably going to require surgery. So um, yeah, it was a, it was sort of heartbreak at the time. Like you get hit with shock and things go through your head. Like, am I going to get back? And I've done my left one before. So I know what, know what it's like. And it's a tough road back. And the, the way that the pain and stuff is all handled is just horrendous. So I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but just to be able to play alongside the boys and continue our good form would have been great. But, now I've sort of just got to play my role off field and help the younger players. It does give other guys opportunities that have been playing really well in the twos as well. So it's great that they can get that opportunity and hopefully play some consistent footy for us. Can you take us back to the first of the two incidents? Um, because it, to me, I, I know I spoke to you about this, but it didn't look like you're in agony, but you said it was bloody painful. Was it more shock that was going through your mind at that, at that point? Yeah, it, it was like, I, I sort of felt down at my shoulder and knew straight away something wasn't right. Because um, I don't know, when you're on the field, you've, well, personally, I don't feel too much pain. Like it's got to be pretty bad. Like it's got to be very bad to really hurt you. Um, so the shoulder didn't hurt initially, but then as I was running off and trying to use my arm to run, that's when it sort of started to kick in. And you realize, oh, geez, I've done something wrong there. But as soon as it goes back into the, the joint, it's funny, like people say it, it kills to get back into the joint. But then once it's back in, in there, it feels like good as gold. And I remember when I did this one last time as well in 2017, it was the same thing. I thought I was going to be able to go back on. And sure enough, I I didn't in that game. But then this game, I, I went back on because I thought it was really good, tested it and everything. And all of a sudden, yeah, next contest, not next contest I was involved in, but a couple later, I put it out again. You say that it was tested. You so you go down to the rooms. The doctor obviously looks at it. You say you're okay to go back on, but like, what's what are the tests that you go through, and what's the thinking behind not putting some strapping on it? I think because that was one of the big talking points that we had after that game was just sort of that you're allowed back on the ground, but obviously with with permission and after you'd passed these tests, but also the fact that mm. there was sort of nothing on your shoulder. Yeah, so we, I went back down the rooms and um, the tests that I went through were just literally like you just try and lift and you're trying to push out all the ranges of motion that you would do on a field and everything lit. Like for me, um, I was strong enough and I felt like I didn't personally feel like it was um, compromised at any at any stage. So I was confident that I could go back out there. Um, the strapping stuff was talked about, but uh, they, they weren't really um, concerned about it because of the strength that I had in my shoulder. So it's just unfortunate that um, I suppose that range of motion where I try to fist the ball forward mm. is a very unique one. And just with the force that I try to do it, because I wouldn't have, if, if it hurt, I wouldn't have done it. Mm. Like at the time, I wouldn't have actually tried to punch it. But uh, yeah, sure enough, it comes out again. And 
go through that same pain and um, getting it back in was a little bit, a little bit tougher. Was there any discuss any discussion about just sitting the rest of the game out after it happened? Because there was only about five minutes left, and you guys mm. had pretty much had the game won. Yeah, there was. Oh, there was always discussion. Like I said before, I think they like we knew straight away that I was going to require surgery because once the shoulder pops out, it's it's pretty. Um... So that was regardless of how how well it felt after they put it back in. You you knew before you went back out the second time that you were going to have to have surgery. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. So I was. Yeah. So I was a. I was obviously a bit chatted, but then I thought, you know, if I can go out there and do a few things, it might change the mind of um, some of the medicos or the surgeon. I might not have to get it done. So, um, yeah, I went back out there and tried and uh, sure enough, yeah, came out again. But it was talked about and I did know myself that I was probably going to have to or be required to do that. Did any of the medical staff comment on how different the, the, the prognosis would have been had you not gone back on compared to when you did and then had to come back off? Like, could it have been a, a six to 10 week injury instead of a, you know, three to four month injury kind of thing? Or is it, was it always going to have to be that sort of similar timeline to what you're looking at now? Yeah, no, exactly the same. Nothing yeah. was going to change. As soon as you get surgery, they always say it's 12 to 16 weeks, especially with the, cause I had it done in my left. So I know what it was yeah. like, but it was, it's called a latter day surgery where, they take a piece of bone off underneath your clavicle and screw it on the front. So the chances of it coming out again are very minimal compared to just a normal reconstruction of the joint. So they do the reconstruction, but then also put the bone block on as well. So it does allow you to be a little bit more aggressive with it um, towards the back end of the recovery. And um, so that's going to hold me in good stead, hopefully towards later in the year. There was a, there was a shot in the rooms after the game um, where I think you were sitting, you were sitting on the ground in the rooms looking pretty disappointed, obviously. Um, what was going through your mind at that point, knowing that you, you, you're probably going to have to sit out pretty much most of the home and away season? Mm, it was tough. Like um, it's hard to explain the way that I was feeling at the ground. Like as soon as I came off the second time and I was sitting on the bench and I knew I wasn't going back on and we'd won the game. It was like, it was, as I said before, it was a great win for us, but it was just so hard not to think about, you know, the next 12, 16 weeks, what it was going to hold for me. And um, probably selfishly, you always you just go into the mindset of just being sad. And I was pretty uh, rattled at the time, didn't really know what was going on. And to be sitting in the room, seeing the song first and not really have any emotion going through your mind or your body, it just felt so, I felt numb in a way. Like, I just felt like I couldn't, I was helpless and uh, that to me just makes me feel pretty bad because I want to be able to do everything I can for the team and help us win as a footy club. So to, for all that to be pulled away from from you is pretty tough. And yeah, I got a bit emotional when mm. when I saw my good mate Adzi um, after the game and he came up to me and was pretty sad as well. So even thinking about it now makes me a bit sad, mate. So um, yeah. Do um when you're involved in in an injury incident sort of like that, and then you know that you're still in the rooms, it's not bad enough that you're taken off the hospital right away. How involved are you in the post match process then? Because we did see you obviously sing a song, and then you're still in the rooms. But yeah, you know, at what point do you go? All right, well now is the time that we probably need to get you off to see someone, as opposed to uh, oh, you know, you'll be right in the team meeting or or anything like that. I mean, how involved are you in that that process from then on? Yeah, I wasn't very involved. Um straight after like we had our we actually had our meeting we normally have a meeting in the meeting room but bevo that night i think because we had a few guys go down just did the meeting uh straight after the team song and we were just pretty much yeah straight away into the recovery mode and from there it was I, I just pretty much had a shower while everyone was 
um, seeing the physios and that because obviously I knew what my future was going to hold and um, quickly had a shower and then saw the docs and got my sling and um, I was off. So actually they, they gave me, because I was going to spend the weekend up in Sydney as well uh, with some family. So I was, they gave me um, some time off over the weekend and they yeah booked me in for surgery already on the, the Tuesday. So it all happens pretty quickly then. I guess you don't have to, <laughs> no public hospital wait lists. Uh, no, for it was, you guys. It was, it's crazy. Like <laughs> straight, even like during the game, I'm fairly sure the second time I came off, uh, I was walking. Well, I think it might've been when we were walking back up the race when we'd won after the game and Zimmer literally came up to me, Gary Zimmerman, our doctor and said, Tuesday's booked in already. Like going in, in, just have a relaxing weekend and yeah, we'll see you Tuesday. So it's pretty crazy how it all works. He's already made the phone call. They already know. You've got to do this, this, and this, and mm. yeah. So was your surgery the process. up in Sydney or you had to come back down here for surgery? Yeah, no, I came back down here for surgery. I came to Melbourne and um, just spent Saturday and Sunday in Sydney and then flew back Sunday night to Melbourne to get scanned Monday and surgery Tuesday. Oh, it ended up being early Wednesday morning uh, surgery, so... Chris, Christian, I know that um, when you guys are recording stats and all that sort of stuff, when players do get injured, do you have to wait for confirmation from the club before you say the time on ground percentage is, is ending there? Or like, what's the process no, when well, you see players? Again, so we track, I mean, just by the eye, all the interchange moves anyway. Um, yep. And we track reasons. So obviously blood rule, the game stopped, and the umpire sort of signifies that. For injuries, it's best guess. We don't have any direct lines to the club. So if it looks like a guy's coming off winded or hurt or limping or something, we'll mark that as an injured move. Um, and then again, just watching the bench and yeah, sort of just taking the visual cues of the guy, put the track suit on or, um, you know, has he gone off the hospital? That's when we'll strike him out for the match, but there is no, yeah, for our interchange capture on match day, it's just the best guy. There's no, there's nothing, again, where we don't do anything official with injuries. So whenever we get the questions of, you know, a knee injuries going up or hamstring injuries going up, we always mm. refer straight back to AFL house because it's not something we're sort of privy to, um, or yeah, or we capture ourselves. So yeah, it's just on game day would be best guess. So I, I, I could have a look through the logs. I would wonder if our uh, Sydney staff put you out for the match a bit too early on that night. I, I don't think they would have gone that early. Um, but yeah, every chance we put someone out for the match and they do, they reappear three minutes later and keep playing. So we, we edit the move and say, no, they came off injured and they're back out there now. So this fascinates me because uh, in, in the wake of sort of how Sydney have been able to get some of their players back on the park so quickly after injuries, um, they've been talking about how perhaps the AFL needs to introduce like a, you know, uh, not punishments, but like, yeah, kind of punishments for, for misdiagnosing things or, or, um, you know, giving players, you know, saying that they're only going to be out for four weeks and then they're back in one, like in the case of sort of Tom Hickey, um, because it, you know, it gives everyone more clarity, including the fans and all that sort of stuff. So if you say that a player is probable to come back, um, then they have to be probable to come back. If they're, if they're ruled out for the game, they have to be ruled out for the game. And I guess it would give a lot more, clarity and sureness to to organizations like champion data who are trying to accurately i guess time these things and 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 do those sorts of things as well yeah again i mean the match time is just once you step off over the interchange bench so i mean that's not going to change too much but you're right the the reason why champion data hasn't dipped their toe is because we don't we're not privy to the correct information so we're not going to guess injuries and just give guys you know oh yeah we think he's done a hamstring and we'll put him out for four weeks we sort of yeah we we don't have all the scans and things that all the clubs are, uh, you know, privy to. So yeah, it's probably something that we've sort of just always realised is probably just out of our depth, really. Fair enough, um, Josh. I guess we actually haven't asked, but the surgery did go smoothly and and everything's looking good for the timeline that was put forward by the club. Yeah, it is. It is. It all went well. Um, obviously, got done that Wednesday morning, and 
straight away, uh, came out of surgery and the surgeon was there, woke up, uh, you know, as you wake up after surgery, you don't know where you are, or what you're doing. Um, but he, yeah, gave me the tick of approval and said that it all went well. And, uh, yeah, from there, it's just been all about the recovery process and I've got an ice machine and I've just been doing as much as I possibly can to get rid of all that swelling. Um, obviously not in a sling at the moment, uh, but I have been for a couple of weeks. So starting to wean out of that and then, yeah, start building back to hopefully play at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get to sort of see you in the, in the lead up to finals. Maybe that pre-finals buy might come in handy as well. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> we'll wait and see. Christian, have you ever had a, a dislocation or what's, what's the most serious injury that you've had? I don't think so. I did. I, I did have my shoulder pop out, but I don't think it was a full dislocation of about seven or eight. So I hope my mum's listening to this. But yeah, I was uh, Tarzan roping off a shed roof down at um, one of our holiday houses. And I just yeah <laughs> fell off a two meter roof. And I just remember my mum standing at the window laughing, thinking that I was all right. And he'll be, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was nothing, it was nothing major, but I do know two days later, I think I just had a stiff neck. It was about grade three or four. And I went to the doctors and he sort of got this little punch thing and punch something back into place and it was the same thing it was like it was really tight and sore. And as soon as he did it I'm like oh, all the pain and you know it's crazy oh but no nah, i can't say i've done anything close to what josh has experienced twice now from from the sounds of it mm. too so yeah i've had um so i've had a couple of footy injuries obviously back again again when i was like 9 10 11 um i broke my arm doing going on the specky bag uh <laughs> of all things i was out at i think it was at xavier college one day and we, yeah, we were doing some camp there and I went up on the specky bag and came back down and, and stuck my arm out to try and break the fall, which of course is not a very smart thing to do. Um, and then sort of looked over at my arm and the swelling had already taken over and uh, had to go to the Royal Children's and get a couple of pins put in. That was good fun. And then um, actually on the MCG, it was the Geelong Brisbane prelim, which Geelong hosted, even though Brisbane were higher ranked. So 2003, maybe 2002. Very early 2000s. Um, early 2000s at the MCG and it was prelim final night and I was doing Auskick there, which was great. Um, and then I, I went for, to mark a ball and I dislocated my finger, like the little pink, the pinky on my right hand. And you're right, it, the pain is just unbelievable for such a tiny little thing. And so I went down to the rooms and the Geelong doctor at the time put it back in for me which I thought was kind of cool. And I was there sobbing my eyes out as a little, you know, nine or 10 year old. And, um, you know, I'm getting to see the Geelong doctor. He actually puts it back in for me. And yeah, as soon as that happens, like the, the throbbing and the pain kind of goes away and you just sort of tape it up and away you go and, you, and you're back out there. So um, yeah, I, look, I can't imagine what a shoulder must or two shoulders even must feel like, but can't be bloody fun. That's for sure. <laughs> I can tell you it's not, it's not very fun. <laughs> they, they do say like, I have spoken to a few people. I remember when I did my first shoulder, um, Dad, uh, Paul Kelly reached out to Dad because they were obviously teammates back at Sydney, and he um, said to Dad, which he didn't want to tell me at the time, he said it's the worst surgery he's ever had. So that was nice heading into my first shoulder <laughs> surgery. But um, yeah, now that I've had two, hopefully I don't have to have another one again. Touch wood. You must. Well, you, you, your dad might have been out there for one of the more interesting uh, injury recoveries I've ever seen. Is Darren Creswell um, on the wing down at uh, whatever it was called then, Skilled Stadium, GMHBA, Cardinia Park? It's been through ten names, but yeah, knocking his own kneecap back into place and live on TV almost. That was yeah. That's I've still seen footage of that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon Shocking. I saw footage of that in one of those um, those shows that Channel 7 used to put on back in the day. And um, yeah, the camera was right behind him as he's trying to slap his, his his kneecap back into place, which I think I watched that when I was about 10 or 11 or 12. And that was horrifying to watch as well. I think there was another story about Robert Harvey when he had to snap his um, plantar fascia. Oh, like things, like, things like that, you're just like, wow, 
as yeah, as a player now, you, the club to make his make the yeah the tendon actually snap because it was it was better yeah. off snapped than sore. So yeah. exactly like oh. things like that, you just like wow. That um yeah, back in the day, that's what they used to do. <laughs> Sports injuries. Uh, maybe we could do a full podcast on that as well. Um, <laughs> you said you've come from the club today, so you're obviously back there and and doing little bits and pieces. So um. What's, what's the deal? Are you, are you training at the moment or are you, are you doing some cardio work? Um, what are your days looking like at the club? Yeah, my days are pretty pretty um, small at the moment. I uh, started, like I had a week off initially after surgery and then I've come back in now and just doing little exercises, trying to get movement back in my shoulder. Uh, obviously, I mentioned before that I'm icing it a fair bit, but just being able to be around the boys and, and talk to a few of them and slowly yeah build that strength back up because you do waste away pretty quickly unfortunately um the, you lose your biceps and things like that so just trying to work my way back there and uh get a little bit of treatment and then off that outside of that just yeah sit in meetings and understand what the boys are going through and and trying to help them along the way you're gonna do a, a matthew Rao kind of thing where you might sit on a bench during games and, and hand out some pointers and take notes in a little notepad well, I don't think I'll be as intense as Rowley, but um, <laughs> I might like eventually. I might look to you know sit in the coach's box towards it when I'm starting to get close to coming back and do little things like that. But at the moment, I'm pretty because um, I can't do a lot. I'm just going, getting in and out, and just doing some off legs bike and as I mentioned, weights and treatment and stuff like that. Jake, do you want to feel free to contribute to this conversation at all? Where, where have you been for the last couple of minutes? Uh, I'm glad that we've got Subway sponsoring us and not IINet because my internet's <laughs> dropped out for the last 15 minutes. Um, so apologies. Um, so I'm, I'm lost. What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, we're just talking about how, um, well, we went through some of the worst injuries that we've had as youngsters. So I don't know if you've had any pretty serious ones, but. Uh, well, I've had a bad injury, not a sporting injury, but um, I actually, when I was about four or five years old, my, my dad was washing his car on the grass. We were like a little steep, not steep, but uh, a bit of a hill. And he was washing the, the car on the grass. And the, obviously the, the grass was wet from all the water and the soap. And I ran towards him. I think I was four or five years old and I slipped and I slid and smacked. You remember those old big taps? They used to have the cup, the, the steel cover covers that used to go over the taps. Yes. Um, and I slid and smashed my head. Uh, into the side of that, right? To get stitches on the side of my head, and um, yeah, so that was uh, that wasn't a fun one. But luckily, I was uh, I was young enough to not remember. Although apparently, my parents told me years later that I um, I said the f word to the doctor when he started doing the stitches. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, always good from from a kid. Um, yeah, there you go. I think. Oh, I also had my teeth out recently, my, my wisdom teeth. And you're right. When you wake up and you got no idea where you are, and apparently I just chewed the nurse's ear off the entire time with gauze in my mouth, and she's just nodding along like she's understanding what I'm saying, even though apparently I'm talking absolute nonsense. So <laughs> there you go. It is um, <laughs> it's good fun. Um, all right. So I guess yeah, you got sort of two or three weeks, uh, months now left. You know, three to four months. Sorry, left on the sidelines. It's um. It's obviously tough mentally as well, uh, knowing that you can't contribute in any meaningful way, knowing that you are going to have to rebuild up your strength and your, and, and your fitness. Like, how do you how do you stay sharp as a club? You know, I know I know there's injury groups, but do you do sort of work on the mental side of things? Do you, do you get to see like a club psych or anything like that to, to to keep you in check? Yeah, we do. We have all those resources, which is great. I think it's still. Like even yesterday, as soon as yesterday um, finished, I was on my way home. We did a bike session, and you just 
because the shoulder, like you don't realize how much you use a, a shoulder until uh, you actually do one. And, you know, we're just being around the house, like trying to fold clothes and do little things like that. It's just so, mm. it's so draining and it's too hard to do. So you feel like you're very, you become very, um, well, not, yeah, you just can't really do much for yourself. And yes, I was, I rang dad because I was like, I was struggling in a bit, in a way, like I was just like, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. Like I, all I can really do is sit on the couch and ice, ice it. So it's frustrating, but along the way you learn little tricks and, and ways to be able to help yourself. And um, I'm going to have to lean on a few people and I'm lucky that I've got a nice little a circle that I can you know talk to along the way. Sure. You're not going to get ads to come 40 minutes out of his way to do your washing, eh? He probably will if I ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good stuff. Can he come Um, and do mine? My washing machine's broken. (laughs) (laughs) Wash it in the bath or something. Yeah, Yeah. I was doing it in the sink yesterday. Very good. Hey, um, guys, anything else we want to ask about sort of the recovery from injuries and, and, and stuff like that before we move on? Well, apologies again that I missed I missed fifteen minutes because I was very um, I was very interested in that. I just um, my internet yeah. died. I've had issues all day, so um, I don't want to go back. over old Grant. Huh? You have to listen back. I will. I'll have to tune in for once. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I, um, I I guess what we were talking about at the start about um, how how it all sort of happened and um, when you actually went for surgery. How long, uh, again? Sorry if it, if it was mentioned, but how long does it actually take from start to finish the surgery? The surgery, I reckon it took oh, from memory about two to three hours. Yeah. So I and went in, I, I was lucky because I got into the hospital early. I got in at 6.30 and I was third on the list, but then they done the first one and straight away I got slipped into the second. So I didn't have to wait too long and I went straight up and got in. And yeah, I just remember the last thing I remember is getting on the, the table. Um, and then I woke up and yeah, soon as sure, sure enough, three hours later and, already like it's funny they put an arm block in so it just shuts down the whole your whole feeling of your your arm and you does it actually work because whenever they give me the um the what do you call it when they when they Morphine. no 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 when they give you like the um the, the injection before you get like the like oh, when the, they're doing your teeth yeah or yeah, yeah. Oh, that cool? like that like a the anesthetic um, anesthetic yeah, yeah. Count back from yeah 10, when they give me that six. it never seems to work they're like have, has it numbed the pain i'm like no i can still feel it <laughs> <laughs> now nah, this this arm block i'm not sure what it is but it should completely like you can't even feel your fingers like they touch your fingers after surgery and you just like can't feel it wow so as soon as that i think that takes about eight hours to wear off so that night i was just i think it was about eight o'clock mum had left like she was looking after me for the day and Adzi was there and he came and then he left so they'd both left and I was sitting in my hospital bed just like starting to feel this pain wearing off and oh. I'd um I was a bit late on the on the buzzer but I didn't think it was working because I was pressing it like after some some pain relief and the nurse didn't come for quite a while so I was actually sitting there for about 30 minutes like in excruciating pain and then the morphine came out so Ooh. um it's not great it's not not a nice thing I, as i said i wouldn't wish it upon anyone a shoulder injury and uh especially a rico um, mm. because they are pretty pretty tender for quite a long time but i, I believe uh greg hoy did the work and he's uh he's a very good very good at his job yeah he is he actually uh he mentioned to me that i think someone on i think it might have been bt on the commentary said that greg hoy will be looking at my shoulder at the game like on the game night and he said he had that many phone calls just about 
people people wanted to use him for their shoulders. He's like, geez, I've got too many to do already. So he was a bit <laughs> flat with that one. He's been dobbed in. Hey, just before we move on, this sort of just jumped into my mind. But in terms of keeping your skills sharp, at what point can you start just holding a footy in your right hand again? Or are you, you know, are you sort of restricted to maybe using your left and, and you know, keeping the left foot warm? Yeah, I'll probably be restricted to my left for, I reckon, a month. So another two weeks because they, at the moment, I can't really go past zero degrees with my arm, this one, obviously. So because all of the stuff, the work they've done in there, you've got to allow the joint to just recover and then not going past there. So as soon as, um, I think that takes roughly a month to, to heal up and then you can start to move it again. So that's probably when I'll start to get the footy back out in the right hand, but I might have to become a lefty. Um, well, just Christian a... was talking about all, what, what's Josh's stats when it comes to opposite side of his was, body. I think I did have a quick look before he was on. Yeah, he was. you're not at 0%. I think you were close to 10 or 12%. I think you were sort of up there. You don't mind having a having a go on the opposite? Having a go on the opposite. Yeah, every now and then. I like to kick out of a stoppage on my opposite just because it's getting it forward if I'm on that side. But Bevo's really big on using your opposite side, so I do like to use it every now and then. If you're enjoying this podcast, swipe over and check out the ESPN Australia Podcast Network. We're discussing the best stories on the sports you love with on-the-ground takes and fresh voices covering the names and games you tune in for. Um, Josh, I'll start the first one. Uh, your favourite sport to watch outside of footy? NBA for sure. Do you have a team? No, I don't. I just like players. Like I like watching LeBron, obviously, Benny Simmons from... Australia and Joe Ingles is a, a close friend as well. So guys like that. And then obviously the superstars like Spider Mitchell, I love from Utah. He's cool. Um, did you yeah, watch the games of... when the when the US came out here a couple of years ago? I did. Yeah, I went along to the at Marble Stadium and watched you, those. You that didn't get ripped off with a dodgy seat, did you, like everybody else? <laughs> I didn't. I, I was lucky enough to get pretty close. I wasn't court side, but I was pretty close yeah. from memory. And yeah, it was pretty special to see that sort of game on in Marvel Stadium because I'm so used to watching footy and I've been to yeah. a Coldplay concert there before, but to see an NBA game in the middle of Marvel was pretty cool. It's it's funny, the NBA. It is, it's probably just about the only sport where you really do follow the, the players almost more than the teams. Well, they move so often. I'm the yeah, same. Yeah, I, don't, exactly. I don't have a team at all, but I just, at the moment, I'm I'm a big Damian Lillard fan, so I watch a few more Blazers games than, than other, other sides, but I don't say I follow them. It's bizarre. It's an interesting topic because you probably think like, I don't know if our game's moving towards that, sort of thing like mm. that sort of um reputation where players are going to move around and who knows what it's going to be like and fans will probably start to follow players in some sense yeah i've, I've thought about this for a little bit but i think i think afl is protected by the fact that we've got 22 players so i think we are more likely yeah. to follow the mm. squad and team whereas within the nba two players change and that's two fifth year team is changed right there you're starting five so I remember when LeBron came back to Cleveland, they went from least likely to win the to win the the NBA to favorite. Just yeah, I think, one they, yeah. I think they had two of the same players from one year going into the next in LeBron's first year. So it is. It's. Yeah. It, I think footy, we're a bit more, we're a bit more, yeah, tied down to the clubs because we do have mm. a lot more players to sort of cheer for. But I already do know that there's a, probably a few people that work in here that just just like Buddy Franklin don't necessarily go for. Mm. Or just love Lance Franklin or you know other players like that. So it's starting to happen maybe slightly. Uh, next question. Now that you now that you're uh, got a bit of time on your hands and, and you, you're injured, I don't know if you're able to eat foods that you might not normally eat. Is there a go-to food you have in the off season, or, or maybe now that you might try and sneak a bit in? 
Um, after surgery, there was plenty of little sneaky foods that I was getting in. I don't mind um, Guzman Guzman Gomez. Is it Guzman? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Those oh, that's not Mexican. too unhealthy. I wouldn't the burritos, or well, it depends how much chicken you nah, get. So, yeah, nah, no, I'm not talking about the burritos. I'm talking about the chips. The chips with oh. the melted cheese on top. Oh yeah, that's um, that's gross. that's a little bit naughty. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. I after surgery, I'd spoken to the dietitian, and she pretty much said that um, you've just got to eat as much as you can because you waste away, like I mentioned before, yeah. so quickly. So to keep the energy up and the recovery phase, you've just got to eat as much food as possible, which is nice to hear when you're coming out of surgery because you can just eat plenty of chocolate and ice cream and whatever it might be. Right. So the, you almost have like a, a recovery diet given to you. It's just basically whatever you want. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah, the good, first yeah. three, three or four days, it's pretty much, yeah, eat whatever you want, when you want. And then you start to pull back. And like now I'm pretty much eating normally. I'd, I'd like to front load like carbs and things like that. So earlier in the day, you eat more carbs and got energy for the rest. So it's good little tricks like that along the way. Fair enough. Very good. Hey, how many times have you watched the 2016 grand final? I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it once in full. Never oh, see, I hear this before. a lot from players saying, "I find I, this." I've heard this. A bit I reckon well. I'd watch it daily. <laughs> I've watched. I've watched the prelim once. Yeah, that's it. That's it. From that whole final series, I haven't watched a game. Why other is that? that prelim? Have you ever have you ever know. watched any game of your like just any random game? You ever watched one in full or? Not really. No, I only really watch what because you get um, champion data and they give you all your involvements. Like I watch it my line at the club. Yeah, um, but I never sit down and watch a full game of mine where I'm when I'm playing. Other than that prelim, I've seen that prelim once. See, that's wow. bizarre because surely one day when you you get an autobiography out or whatever, you're going to have to try and recall some of these memories. You're going to have to jog yourself at some point to get back to get, get some of those memories fresh in your mind. Yeah, I, I feel like I'd like I could nearly recall every moments that you, you know, do have a very good memory you you were talking about some older games a couple of weeks ago and your memory about the the rounds and the games and all that was yeah spot on yeah so yeah. i'd yeah if i was asked about it or if i had to think about it i'd reckon i'd know most of it that's for sure we'll i reckon i've watched day. that prelim about 12 times <laughs> <laughs> um, i reckon i watched it actually last year in covid when we got put on a break it was just on yeah. one of the footy channels and I'd uh, flicked it on and yeah, sat down and watched it while we could bring do back too much. the same memories. Yeah, yeah, every time, every time, yeah. Even now, when we because we've had a couple of milestones like Bont, Bont's one fiftieth, JJ's one fiftieth, and we play like vision of the player that's milestone of this the day before the game, and just watching some of the memories from the sixteen grand final and then the celebrations after, you know, when you're on the stand with the cup and things like that, it just brings back so many memories. You get mm. goosebumps when you see that goal the bond kick in the prelim final when JJ passed it to him and it's just pretty special to to see that but then also relive it in a way yeah it's um it's incredible hey if your life was on the line and you had to have someone in the league anyone kicking kicking from 50 out directly in front one kick who would it be a set shot yeah um 50 out I would probably I'll just I'd Tori Dixon was always Corey was a, Dixon was a very Corey good Dixon. set shot from fifty though. Has he got fifty in him? Yep, he's got fifty in him. Anything more than fifty, I don't think he's got. But fifty, he's got in him definitely. He was a good. He was a, he good was a set very, shot, good very good kick. set shot. Um, yeah. He didn't. He never kicked it too hard. He just just go over the line like he just place it perfectly. Was, yeah. I always ask him like, what's his secret? He just says, I just kick at the goals. Like he doesn't <laughs> doesn't think about anything. 
What he about outside of the dogs? The ball. Outside of the dogs? Um, oh, I'm liking I'm liking Jack Reward a fair bit lately. Like mm. he's been kicking pretty well. Agreed. Yeah. He's, he, he, I think he's he's at that point of his career now where he's doing exactly what Tory Dixon does. He just he doesn't yeah. try to overkick it. He just he just kicks it goal. And Jack yeah. Gunston used to similar sort of thing. Just kicks it four meters further than he needs to, rather yep. than it's pretty special. Rather special than doing a, a Joe Danaher and kick it, try and kick it to <laughs> suburbs. <laughs> uh, last one of these quick fire questions: uh, shorter quarters or leave them as they are? Oh, I think leave them as they are. I, I'm yes. a big believer in just leaving the game as it is because I don't, yeah, all these rule changes and stuff, it's it's hard to change the game all the time. And for, for a spectator, like I just like the history of it and what happened in the past and now it's present, but we're still playing the same game. Just so on I, the, I just the quarter lengths, did you notice it in the first couple of rounds this year, how much, and, and obviously with the, the rotations as well, did you know, were you finishing games far more tired than, than last year? Yeah, I think the first couple, like definitely, because uh, we we built up pretty well, like throughout the preseason, where we had four thirty-minute quarters of match sim before mm-hmm. we started playing, and then the Melbourne game we played them in the JLT or the Amy series, or I'm not sure. I think it was the Amy series called this year, but um, the, after right. that game, like every, the end of that, year. <laughs> yeah, um, after that game, I was pretty knackered, and then round one, I felt pretty good to be honest. Like as mm-hmm. a player, I didn't feel too bad at all. There you go. Hey, let's move on. We got justified hype or hyperbole, the segment where we'll say a statement and then uh, you guys have to tell me whether the hype is justified or I'm speaking in hyperbole. Uh, Jake, the teams that are making the finals are already in the top eight. Uh, I think that is justified. I don't see, I, I think at the, the only team I had in there at the start is St. Kilda and I didn't have Sydney. So I would have probably thought they would be about the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think Sydney's win over Geelong last week in those controversial circumstances could be the difference in the end. I think those four points might just, I know it sounds crazy and it's so early and it's only one win, but we know how tight the, the ladder is towards the end of the year. That one win could be the difference between them making it and not. And I think St. Kilda dropped some some games that they probably should have won mm. um, a bit earlier. And I think they've been a bit too inconsistent. I can see them dropping another couple of games that they probably should win. So yeah, I think it is. I think it's going to stay. Obviously, the positions will, will change around a bit. But even looking at the top four and who's going to come in, I don't know if the top four teams are going to change. I feel like the four might almost be set as well in terms of the teams. They, it'll, the positioning will change. But uh, maybe Brisbane might come in. But then it's who comes out, mm. um, I think. There's a couple of numbers you sort of you can look at just to see if, you know, that the, the ladder is sort of a true reflection of form and things like that. So... Percentage is always a big one, very underrated stat percentage, but top eight percentage teams are in the top eight at the moment. Yep. Um, so that's a tick for that one. And then expected scores is another one um, that we're using here. Just, you know, how many shots at goal you're getting and the quality of shots, whether you're converting. Uh, because, you know, if your opposition's, you know, kicking goals, they shouldn't be and you're missing the easy ones and you could lose games that you should be winning. Again, the only real change to the top eight of that is Carlton. I oh know that didn't even get to the top eight. So Carlton would get ninth uh, rather than 13th based on expected scores. Uh, GWS would come in uh, to sixth if it was going on uh, expected scores and Sydney would drop out to 12th. So again, there's not a lot of numbers there that say, yeah, there's a, there's the 10th and 11th and 12th place teams are sort of flying as well as the eighth, eighth place team. I'd, I'd think it's pretty close to set as well does that say that sydney overachieved in the has overachieved in the first eight weeks no no they're just that they're they're kicking very accurately and their opposition are not necessarily kicking accurately so they're um 
yeah, they they. They're but is that sustainable? Can you um, expect them yeah, to yeah. do that for the whole year? It's, it's it's probably not sustainable. You don't want to be too far out of whack. But again, mm. it's only eight games in. You, you can fix it. Um, mm. But as I said, their percentage is holding them in good stead. Gold Coast is actually the one with the ninth best percentage. They're the only one above 100 percent outside the top eight. Again, looking at that number is a good number for them, but I couldn't make a case for them to come into the top eight by the end of the year, um, just based on their consistency. And same as GWS's cut and GWS and Carlton are the two that are sort of up higher on the you know expected scores ladder. I can't make great cases for either of those two being in the top eight either. Really quick question without notice on that: Is it pretty rare that a, a an eight is settled uh, this sort of early in the year? Like, is it, do you find that through round seven or eight or whatever it is? Um, the eight stays the same when when round twenty two, round twenty three yeah, comes around. Yeah. Like, know, usually, it's around fourteen or fifteen where it gets very, uh, you know, it might be one change max. Round eight, yeah. it probably would be rare for a, for okay. a season ladder to not, you know, the top eight not to change after round eight. Um, but yeah, so but every year I do the same thing. By round nine or ten, you look at you go, of course, the eight teams are on in the top eight because that's the ten rounds we've, <laughs> we've seen. So we're only yeah. basing them on this season. So uh, yeah. But yeah, at the moment it seems to be yeah the top eight are sort of the clearly the top eight teams in you know in form at the moment uh josh footy players should not be going to nightclubs in season what do you think about that after the uh <laughs> the revelation that richmond players were out at a nightclub and got caught up in a bit of a brouhaha on the weekend <laughs> no i oh i reckon i mentioned this earlier to you guys just off off air but i think um players you know, you've got to be able to live a life i don't know if yeah. you should you know players should be told not to go out or not to do this not do that because you've got to be able to relax and keep your mind um, busy outside of footy because you know these two Rioli and um, who was the other one Jay Bolton were, were both out with their girlfriends it was Shy's um, girlfriend's birthday like I don't see any issues with it it's just that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and um, had to stand up for themselves so for me I don't think it's a, a bad thing bad look on the players because at the end of the day you've got to everyone's human every AFL player is a, a human being and just like the next person in the general public. So yeah, I'm, I think that um, they definitely weren't in the wrong, but it's just a matter of, you know, what happened and finding out because I suppose the, the consequences or whatever happens from here will, will be interesting. Well, it's a shame just because they've been in such, well, Shy Bolton's been in such good form. It's um, he's probably one mark of the year and now he's going to face a month on the sidelines. I guess it's just a shame that footy fans won't get to see him in action, Jake. No, it is. Um, just going back to that, um, given that you're you're standing up for these guys, and that's fine. <laughs> I guess that you're you you quite like a bit of a nightclub appearance. No, no I don't, mate. I actually don't. I I don't tend to go out too much. Um, if I'm doing anything, it would just be at a at my house or yeah. at, you know a local bar, a low key bar. Like I don't tend to go out heaps during the season just because I don't feel like it helps me. But that's every individual's yeah. different. Do you find even even outside the season, if you were to go out and people recognize you, do you find that people almost get a bit more aggressive towards a, a football player? Like they almost want to try and start a fight with a professional football player? Yeah, I mean, there's there's elements of that for sure. Because you, hmm. like I remember there was one where we were in, I was in Noosa and um, I was there with Wally, Mitch Wallace and Bont and a couple other boys and we were just sitting there on a table over the bye weekend just having dinner and a couple of drinks and then all of a sudden people start, you know, coming around you and, and then misbehaving that we'll get stuff thrown at us, like from a distance, people just randomly doing stuff like that. It's just like, they almost want to try and provoke you, right? 
yeah, in a way. And they just want to stir you up and try and get you into trouble. So it's hard actually going out because that's why that's probably why I don't do it as much in, mm. in season because it's such a big focus, especially in Melbourne, of people that probably just want to get you in trouble and and make you, you know, make a fool of yourself. Mm. There you go. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to do one more and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for the day. Uh, Christian, Zach Williams needs to be played on the halfback flank immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, justified hype goes back to me. The original point I sort of um, from the thing I noticed is Darcy Moore playing him in his proper position, how well he's played. So I noticed Zach Williams, they they ended up playing him, Carlton played him 60% as a forward on the weekend, which is his career high number, highest since he's been at Carlton. And for the year, he's played 0% in defence. So if he's not fit enough to play as a centre bounce midfielder, you'd put him back to where he was close to being mm. All Australian, which was halfback flank. Uh, again, you know statistics and evidence based there's no evidence that this guy can play forward so um you know to pay that much money and sort of play him out of position it seems a bit of a waste to me mm, nine touches uh and a behind in the midfield on the weekend for the blues zach williams uh footy tips make sure you get them in jake how'd you go on the weekend did you get a six uh, or seven i got a nine i got oh, a nine you're joking week. yes um Thanks. i was pretty happy with that uh thought thought geelong would win i have this theory um that teams always Back the team that lost the grand final always goes and wins the grand final rematch. Although I hate saying grand final rematch because you don't get you don't get a premiership for for (laughs) round eight. But I I feel like that it almost is a bit of a driving uh, a driver in the off season. So I I didn't think they'd win by ten goals, but I but I did think they would win. And um, Mm. yeah, I uh, yeah just got um, Got I was very close to going Gold Coast against St Kilda. Yeah. They, they, is it me, Christian? No, Does Gold Coast and St Kilda always play close yeah, games? I did that. Yeah, I'm really good. Somebody else that. I think they've had five games within a goal or something. I heard over the it's week. It's crazy yeah. every time it's they. Close. I think the Saints have won all of them too. Ever, yeah. Maybe that's the best rivalry in football. Forget the Dogs Giants. That's the, <laughs> that's the game you're going to get. Sons and Sons. You want to watch? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Josh, thanks again for joining us. We'll be uh, getting you back on. I think pretty shortly, given you probably don't have too much to do at the moment. Yep. <laughs> no, no not, not a lot going on, mate. So whenever you need me, I'll be here. <laughs> Too easy, boys. Uh, thanks again. And uh, everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next one. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.